Hello, Carafu. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm well. Thanks. Nice to see you today. Likewise. <laughs> welcome, welcome to Care Dangerous Conversation. It's an honor. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for being here. So you know the drill, Nola. Miss Nola Baylor. Sit <laughs> back, relax, and take my flowers. <laughs> right. Yep. Sit back, relax, and take your flowers. Okay. Yes, girl. Yes, Nola Baylor, uh, RN, re-specialist. Here you go. So I've been getting to know you. You're such a classy lady. So happy to know you. So positive. You know, I have a soft spot for people who work in the uh, healthcare field. Uh, a, a challenging uh, career, but very rewarding. So thank you for your services there. Uh, just thank you for just being a good person and trying to spread that out to other people in the world. Because we need people like that. I always remind people that love is what's going to get us there. So thank you for being you. And again, thank you for joining. Yeah. Wow! Thank you, Kara. That's amazing. <laughs> you... Okay, so let's let's go ahead and jump right in it. I'm I'm so excited about this show. Uh, we're talking about grief today and giving some people some coping skills of how to get through that. Um, and as you know, nobody's invincible. Grief is something that we all have had in common. Everybody has been through it before. Nobody's too tough to go through it. So uh, I really think this is going to be uh, a great episode. So let's go right into it and let you, uh, I'm going to let you introduce yourself and tell people a little bit about what you do and you as a person. Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much again for having me. So I'm Nola Baylor. As Kara said, I'm a registered nurse. And what that means for me is that I had like this inborn characteristic to be caring, compassionate. I still am. So I get to get paid for just being who I am and doing what I love. And recently I became a certified grief recovery specialist. And what that means is I help people identify their grief and I give them the tools to overcome their grief so they can live happy, live alive, and just really renew their hope. So that's, that's who I am. Oh, that's awesome. That is yeah. awesome. So, you know, it's so many ways I can start this off, but I think the best way, because like I always tell people, we come here with no judgment. You don't have to be perfect. We're going to simplify, simplify things for you. Tell people, let's go over exactly what grief, what mourning is exactly. Oh, oh gosh, yes. This is really good. So I like, the, I like starting there with the education of grief. So grief is really just an acute change in the emotional state that we're in based off of circumstances that are outside of our control, where we would have had a normal routine. Maybe now our routine is being disrupted, and that can bring on this uneasiness and this emotion and that emotion has a name and it's called uh grief so that's what grief is so how can we exactly tell when somebody's grieving are there signs to it i mean oh, i know yeah. it's kind of i like that that's a really good question <laughs> because a lot of times when we have grief grief happens in a cycle and there's nine stages in the cycle of grief so the first emotion that people normally have, and let's use like a scenario because I think that'll make it easier. Let's just say, um, let's use the pandemic. You know, all of a sudden, you know, we're out doing our things. We're going to work every day. We're planning our vacations, you know, and then there's this regulation that says, or these rules that say, hey, you can't maneuver in life as you typically would. The first emotion that's gonna hit us is shock. Like what is happening? Why is this disruption in my normal day 
uh, process happening. So the first emotion that you may have is shock. Like, I can't believe this. You know, are you for real? However you respond to shock, that's typically the first emotion associated with grief. And then I'll, I'm going to draw it too out here for you. So we have, we'll work through the processes because I think okay. this is important. It's like getting over this miseducation of grief because most people, uh, even me for a long time, I said, okay, no one died. I don't have grief. But let's yes. talk about this um, ambiguous grief where we have things or people who, that are still there, but we can't access them on the same level which we typically would. So we've, we talked about the first stage, which is shock. And then we go through this, this emotion of anger. And we all know what it feels like to be angry, like, man, this, this is incon inconveniencing. You know, who wants to go in the store with a mask? I can hardly breathe. So there's this irritability that, we, that, that we'll have. Again, we're talking about the emotions and those signals of grief. From there, um, the next one is sadness. So that, so, so here we are. We got shock. We have anger. We have sadness. And sadness, I know for me during this time was, hey, I had planned this vacation for four years, have been planning this, like, my dream vacation. And then all of a sudden, it couldn't happen because of the pandemic. And that made me sad. So I think sadness is the traditional emotion that we attach to grief, but truly we can go, we go through phases and cycles. These I want to focus on because most people, they, we stay, we go from shock, I can't believe this happened, to I'm angry that it happened, to I'm sad, and then we'll go back up to shock, and then anger and sadness, and then we're angry, and then we're sad, and then sad, and then we're shocked again. But the goal is to get past this stage and move on to a stage of what we call facing the loss. All right. So but we'll, st we'll stop there just because there's nine emotions or, or cycles within the grief cycle. But just to answer your question, those emotions that we feel that are associated with being shocked, with being angry or feeling sad, those are our grief signals and they deserve our attention. They're there to alarm us that something is going on and we must begin to address that emotion that we're feeling so that it does not overtake us and overconsume us. Because okay. See, that's the part that I feel like a lot of people have problems with because, you know, I know that's probably, I can ask you this question, is there a healthy timetable to mourning? Because I hear a lot of people say, no, there's not a timetable. But as you know, if you don't do mourning in a sort of healthy way, they're all kind of risk factors to your health. Uh, the ways that mourning can start to affect your body with stress and sickness. And, you know, stress makes sickness like anxiety, heart problems. Uh, it could uh, make your, I have it written down here, mm -hmm. make your blood pressure increase. And that can cause blood clots. I mean, it may seem like that's the extreme part of it, but there's actually something called intense grief. Mm -hmm. where uh, it can alter your heart muscles so much that it causes what they call broken heart syndrome, mm -hmm. a form of heart disease with the same symptoms as a heart attack. I can't remember the movie, but I know there was an old school movie back when the movies were black and white mm -hmm. about that where a black lady back in uh, those days had uh, a heartbreak from one of her children, something between her and her child's relationship, and she suffered from that heartbreak syndrome. So I don't know if you want to go further with that. That is a real thing. 
And <laughs> what you said does happen. That's why you'll see people who may have been married for 56 years, their spouse dies, and then they die within a week, right? Because that grief, that emotion has now overtaken them. So that, that, is, that is a real thing. What happens when grief is mismanaged, it's th it begins to manifest in our body, just like you said. So you'll see people suffer from things like high blood pressure, heart attacks, like you mentioned, um, incompromised immunosystem. So grief isn't just something that's happening in our emotions, but it can happen throughout our body if we're not processing it daily. And then you, you brought up another point. I get so excited when I talk about grief. <laughs> so let me know if I'm going too fast. But I just think it's such a necessary, like you're having the Kara dangerous conversations. The conversation about grief is so necessary, right? Because it's really a preventative conversation. But what I was going to say is when we grieve, I think we should grieve daily. That doesn't mean that there's like a traumatic event daily. But what is the disappointment? You know, if you came, you know, if you came down and said, you know, I, I didn't have my favorite chips in the, this is how simple it can be, okay? I didn't have my favorite chips in the pantry and I'm frustrated. Just, just embracing that emotion and being like, oh, I'm frustrated and move on. And not acting like it's not something, it's, it's something that doesn't bother you. That's very minute. I get it. You know, that's what I was going to say too, Nola. I'm not to cut you off. No, no, I no, did. Cut me off. <laughs> I'm on your show. Cut me off. <laughs> Look, I'm going to cut you off, but we're going to get back to you, okay? Yeah, um, I feel like when I was grieving, and I'm going to bring this example up a lot, I lost my best friend uh, from childhood mm -hmm, uh, about cool. a year or some change ago. And one of those things when I was grieving that I realized is that you have to tell yourself it's okay to grieve. Because I, I mm -hmm. you know what I mean? I think just simply saying it's okay, that makes you not feel so in your head and know that that's a natural thing to go through and there are steps to it. I think that would take so much off of your shoulders, just being easier on yourself. Mm -hmm. And I, and that's the point. Like we started with the chip bag because that's so simple. But sometimes we have to start simple and elevate up and move toward being okay with grieving the loss of individuals. Because I'll be honest, I was brought up in a very very stoic home. So mm -hmm. when we would go to the funeral, you were given the badge of honor if you were at the funeral and you didn't cry. So just wow. to be able to engage your emotions about anything for me, it was something that I had to relearn. But yes, when you're grieving, you have to give yourself permission. So wherever you need to start, giving yourself permission on whatever level, it's important that we start and say what you said, that it's okay. That yeah, it's okay I, is, there, is there a next step you would like to go to before I just start rattling off my head with this next no, step? No, 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 go. You're good. Go. I was going to say, when I lost my best friend, you know, I couldn't get the image of seeing him in the casket out my head. Uh mm -hmm. And I'm just a weird chick like that anyway. I kind of sometimes like to see the dead person because I think it helps me to uh, just be able to cope with it. So I saw him there, and I guess, uh, you know, I've had people who were close to me die before, but this was different for me mm -hmm. uh, because it was an intimate friendship, not intimate in a sexual way, but intimate as in closeness. Uh -huh. And when I looked at I looked at him, he was so beautiful to me, even laying there. Wow. And I remember after we finished looking at him in a casket, I, I went back as they proceeded on with the services 
And, and in my spirit, even though I was quiet when people could see me, in my spirit, I was screaming his name. Mm. I was screaming his name. And I kept saying, Kara, are you going to scream his name out loud so everybody can hear you? And I kept thinking about it, and I never did. But I just wanted to scream his name. I wanted him to know I was there. Wow. And that night, I just kept imagining him. And I kept thinking about um, all, on those first days of grieving, you know, what if we would have talked? You know, what what would he have told me? What would I have said? Um, and I know I'm jumping ahead here, but I just want to say, uh, at the end of it, I realized that it takes two people in a relationship. So if you're out there and you're mourning someone who you feel like maybe you didn't get to say certain things to them or you guys maybe had an argument or something like that, don't beat yourself up about it because that's life. It takes two people for that relationship. So as much as I could have called him, he could have called me. Oh. And he's at peace now. And I have to I have to grow to be at peace in that relationship. And it's a process. One day you'll cry. One day you'll laugh. Sometimes you can look at their pictures and you can smile. Other times you'll cry and look at the pictures. You know, grieving is a process, like we keep saying. And even when you get to that last step, which I almost feel like the last step is the first step, which is acceptance, you still, I almost forgot where I want to go. You just, once you accept that, you still going to have those moments where they pop up in your head. Because even now, it's been over a year, mm -hmm. and I'll think about something he said, and mm -hmm. I'll laugh. And even if I can't talk to his family, because maybe they're grieving process, and that's another thing, and I know I'm talking a lot, but sometimes when you're grieving somebody else's and someone else's family and you want to talk to them, they may be at a different level in the grieving process. They may not even want to talk about the person. So like with me, I want to talk about my friend. I want to keep him alive in a certain right. kind of way, but I realize that I can't always reach out to his family because maybe they don't want to hear it. I don't know if they do or don't. I'm just saying... Sometimes you have to process stuff on your own and be okay with it and get yourself through it. And I think the way that I do it is by remembering those jokes we would tell to each other and, and laugh. And even if I just, even if you just sit in the room, sometimes I just say his name because I want to hear it. And to me, that doesn't make you crazy. That just makes you, that's honoring your friend. That's right. And I can feel his spirit. Like, even when I'm doing these conversations, I know he's proud of me because that's the kind of friend he was. And when we say we can still feel people's spirit, that's how we keep it going is we remember those good times. We remember the bad times because, you know, when a person passes, even the bad times make you laugh. But you be like, man, we didn't have to act like that. We didn't have to argue. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Definitely. You know, so I'm gonna let you talk now, but I just want to throw that out there. No, I mean, as a grief coach, you are making me very happy because you're right. You've gone through every cycle, like you hit that whole forgiveness piece. Like there's an aspect of us that has to say, you know, you know what, there's something I'm responsible for, but there's something that they were too responsible for. And I forgive myself for either being something that I, I should have been or I wasn't. So I think that's really healthy. And then you saying, 
that, you know what, I've accepted that my friend, he's moved on. That's the whole face and the reality of the loss. And then once we face the reality, it's the final release. And then we move to that stage of acceptance. But I think, like you said, acceptance is kind of, I think the first step you mentioned maybe would be acceptance. I think acknowledgement is really like That's what I like meant. number one. Yeah. Because once we hit that acknowledgement, then we can address the shock, the anger, the sadness. And then we eventually want to move over to acceptance. And me hearing you talk about your friend and how you desire to honor him in his absence, that is what acceptance sounds like. It's like, I miss you. I can think of you. And when I think of you, I don't push those emotions down. I let them rise. And I remember the good times. And I also remember the bad. And that's what grieving is about. It's about just being able to embrace that emotion and not allowing sadness to overtake us. And let's be honest, if your relationship was healthy with the person who's deceased, they mm -hmm. want you to get to that next level. Absolutely. Uh, I remember uh, <laughs> when I was younger and I would just bring up death with my family and I used to say, I want y'all to be sad when I go. I mm -hmm. want y'all to be crying. But now in my maturity, I'm like, no, I want y'all to go have a party. I Absolutely. want you to say I miss Kara. <laughs> But then I want you to go with whatever insurance money y'all get. I want y'all to ball out for me, baby. Do you hear me? I want y'all to ball out for me. I don't want you to hold your head down because let me, I got to bring God back in this because when people understand their purpose, like I'm living my purpose by doing these conversations, when it's my time to go, Nola, I can be confident that I did the job that I needed to do, mm. even as you died at a young age. And so I want my family to, to be happy, to rejoice that we had this time together. Mm -hmm. And I want them to be able to live because that's, that's the gift that God gave us is to live mm -hmm. life. And if we were supposed to do anything else but, but that, we wouldn't be here. We would just be with him wherever he is in heaven. We would be there. But it's, we have a purpose here. So I just have to bring that into that because that it, it took some maturity for me to turn that off and say, no, guys, I want you to live and live your best life. So mm -hmm. to anybody out there that's suffering, you lost an uncle, a sister, a mother, a father, a dog, a cat, a friend, right. a lover, the way that you can honor them the most healthy way is to live your most honest, your most devoted life that you can. But that was and I like words. that. I, that. And I think that's so important. And I think just to add to the list is sometimes we grieve. It's not just people, it's situations. It's those expectations, those I wish I would have or those hopes or those dreams. And being able to come back to ourselves and just say, you know what, I have this level of disappointment I can overcome and I still can achieve because grief recovery really is about restoring our hope in, in our dreams and the beliefs within ourselves. So I agree with everything that you're saying. One thing that you mentioned earlier, you said, hey, I brought Nola on to give you guys some tools. So one way I can tell the people to like grieve, be it a, you know, a individual that they lost or whatever their loss is, is to ask ourselves three things. Mm. What do I wish would have been more in a relationship, in a situation? What do I wish would have been better? And then what do I wish would have been different? And if I look at, you know, the more, the better, and the different, and just process that by first being honest with myself, then I've entered into effective grieving. Yes. 
So can we ask you that, Kara, as it relates to your friend? Like, what do you wish would have been more related to your best friend? What do you wish would have been better? And what do you wish would have been different in that situation? Different in our relationship? Just a situation, anything. Anything when you think of him. What do you wish would have been more, better, and different? You know, I thought about that. And at first, I think if you would have asked me that question right when it happened, I would have had a different answer for you. But okay. I have a, a different answer now, and I'll give you both of them. If you would have asked me that right after he died, I would have said, well, you know, I, I was trying to, as we became an adult, I was trying to, at one point, we reconnected, mm -hmm. and I was I wanted us to be close like we were back then. Now, don't get me wrong. He, he was one of those people where I never had to talk to, and we were still going to be like this. Because we were soulmates on a friendship level. But what I mean is I want to talk to him more frequently. And, um, you know, I just wanted to, you know, as we became an adult, I never had, I never got the opportunity to have a beer with him, to have a cocktail with him. You know, mm -hmm. I had an opportunity to make mud pies with him or to play, <laughs> to play lawyer and uh, criminal when growing up and to run in the woods together. I, I did that with him, but I never got a chance to, you know, just, to just shoot the shit with them. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse my language. I know it's <laughs> no, a Sunday, but, you know, I never got to do those adult things with them. So, at first, I think that's what I was wanted to kind of capture. But then as time went by, I said, you know what, Karen? That's okay, because I needed him, and he probably needed me in our childhood the most. Mm. And he taught me what a good guy is. You know, he taught me what real friendship is, and I hope I don't tear up. But, and if I do tear up, that's fine, because that's that natural emotion. I just don't want to tear up. But, <laughs> uh, you know, I just, it's okay that we didn't get that, because we had other special moments. And now in my life, I have other, I have another guy friend who's close to me on the same level at this stage in my life. And I say it's amazing how God put people in our life for seasons. Oh, yeah. And my friend who died will be in my life forever because his spirit is always with me. But I just mean our relationship was at the perfect time. Mm -hmm. And the memory of him will carry me on for the rest of my life. And I even told my mother and my siblings, I said, when I die, I know I got a friend waiting somewhere good for me. Uh, I don't have to be afraid of the, the hereafter because I got a friend there and he experienced that first. And I know, I know he's going to be saying, come on, Jesus and God, they gonna be there too, but my friend gonna be like, it's okay, you know. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I, I I went on there, but if that answers your question, <laughs> I think so. I think I heard you say you wish you would have had more time with him in a different capacity, maybe a better friendship in in a different at a certain phase of you all's life, and then you wish you would have had different memories that you could have built with him in your adulthood. So just being able to identify those, capture them, and be okay and accepting of those feelings. It's, it's so beneficial to us mentally and physically and absolutely emotionally as well. Well, Nola, I don't want to skip over this because What's we, we, we basically talked about it, but I think uh, depression and 
that hard stage of grieving is easier to say, oh, just feel better. But let's really get down to that that real, that dirty part of mourning that, that sucks. And let's give people some coping skills about how to really get out of that. Or how to not necessarily even get out of it, but how to navigate through it when you're going through that. Absolutely. So here's the thing, and, and this is why I, um, I feel like I exist, just to be honest, because I know when I lost my mother, it was the most devastating thing that could have happened to me. My mother was like the woman who told, if I told my mother, hey, mom, I'm going to walk on the moon, she would say, baby, go and be an astronaut. So she mm. was always cheering me on. She always believed in me. And to lose her was devastating. And I watched her, like professionally, I was a hospice nurse at one point, but I never thought that I would watch my mother take her last breath, and I did. And I had great conversation. I was glad I had that opportunity. But after her death, I just, I, I, was, I was a mess. I bet. I was an absolute complete mess. And I'm pretty sure depression was in my home. Like, it hit me, if I'm just completely honest. And then I said to myself, like, self, you, you got to get out of this. But how do you? So then I started reaching out to people. And what I wanted at that time is I knew I was surviving in, in those moments. In that two-year period, I was surviving. But I knew that I had been created to thrive. So in order to thrive, I had to get the right tools. I had to get the right relationships and begin to pursue what I knew was mine. Hope was mine. Healing was mine, victory was mine, but I had to do certain things to achieve my level of healing, restore my hope and, and move forward. So when we talk about depression, it really starts at really having healthy grieving skills because I was taught, and I just have to be honest, love my mother, but she was a stoic woman, very strong. Mm -hmm. But I was taught to stuff my emotions. So I wasn't even giving myself the permission to grieve properly it was like it was okay i went through that whole the, the stage of the shock through that whole stage i was here when i started talking about shock anger and sadness that's not something I, that i just learned about i lived that for two years like why did she have to leave i can't believe this happened oh my gosh if they would have you know i went to blaming and then i stayed you know sad for longer than i should have but if i would have had the tools if yes. i would have had been able to give myself the permission to be sad, you know, the permission to be angry and then to move forward and just grieve properly, I would not have been in that place. But here's the thing. When you look at evidence-based practice, most times they will tell you before people become depressed, they went through a stage of not properly grieving. They said, you know what, I lost this person, I lost this thing, but I'm going to go and replace it with work. I'm going to go and replace that, that hole with food, right? So yeah. I'm going to replace it just with anything that makes the pain go away. I'm going to replace it with alcohol, right? And these are ineffective coping skills when we talk about the long game. For the short game, does it decrease the pain? Absolutely. But it's not the remedy for the long game. So no. I'm here. I do what I do because I want to focus on your, your pregame when you win the game, your long game, I'm just trying to help people win before they even have to get to that point. Because for me, I didn't know who I, who I became. I think like 75 pounds later, I'm looking like, what have I done to myself, right? And then I had to go through this forgiveness of 
me. Like I had to forgive my own self. So grief recovery is really about being able to identify these negative emotions and not allowing them to encapsulate us um, and, and to really keep us out of depression. I'm glad you said that last piece uh, because a lot of times I hear, don't put all your eggs in one basket or don't stuff everything into one basket. So like if you're having a bad day, Mm -hmm. Or when you're grieving, especially if you're already grieving and you get upset about something, just don't start compiling things to be right. upset into that basket. You know, try to uh, compartmentalize things in a healthy way mm -hmm. uh, uh, and, until you can get yourself on your feet. Um, and I, another point I think is good to tell people is believe in tomorrow. That's good, yeah. Believe in tomorrow. Because mm -hmm. uh, a lot of times when de we're depressed and for people who commit suicide, I mean, I'm not a specialist, I'm not a therapist, but I've been to therapy on my own choice. I'm a pro-therapy advocate. That's I awesome. think those people who commit suicide, they forget of the promise of tomorrow. When mm -hmm. we can remember that tomorrow holds so much hope for us, then I think we can find that extra strength to just keep going oh yeah because you never know what tomorrow's gonna bring it could be a whole new new situation for you mm -hmm. a brighter day i totally um, agree and i think the the other thing what i had to realize for myself is because i had been so strong and would do things in my own strength i had to be okay with asking for help and not being concerned about how i would be perceived because again, I was like pre-wired to be strong, pre-wired to get it done. You know, I'm an executionist. It's, that's what I do. That's who I am. But there's okay, there's okay to call that number, like you said, and execute that therapist to be on your schedule every Thursday at 2 p.m. Execute that grief recovery specialist so that you can have someone that can help you walk through proven grief tools. So I, I agree with you. Suicide, we don't have to get there, but it, it is about, and that's why I do what I do, because it's about renewing the hope. You know, there is a, a passage from Dr. Leaf. Have you heard of her, Caroline Leaf? She has this book, Switch on the Brain. You have know you what? I kind of want to say I have, but I may be lying to you, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, we, we're going to have to change that since by the end of this call. Check your Amazon and, and you know, card. We're going to take care of that. But All right. she, says, she says, science and scripture both show that we are wired for love and optimism. And I think anytime we're wired, let me just say that again. We're wired for love and optimism. The two things that overthrow love is hatred, mm. right? Optimism, you know, being cynical, being a pessimist, that has overthrown why we had originally been created. When God created us, he created us for love. He created us for optimism. What is optimism? That's having hope. That's having faith. That's having that belief in what you said is tomorrow. When we begin to do anything outside of that, we are altering our genetic makeup, both spiritually and physically. So just, just think about that. And then when we do that, we create internal suffering emotionally and physically. And I don't want for anyone to suffer. Like I said, I suffered in silence for two years. That's two years too long. But, and I just thank God that it's just something rose within me to say, ask for help. But how many people don't make it to that point? How so did you get to that point, Nola? How did you get um, to that point to say, I need help? 
Well, here's the thing. When we start talking about grief, there's a lot of misconceptions. And I was buried in the misconception that time would heal. Mm. So I woke up every day thinking I would feel a little better each and every day. But two years later, 365 times two, that wasn't happening. And I had to be honest with myself and say, Nola, you're not getting better. But so something has to change. So it was really because I have mostly been an optimistic person throughout my life. Like God just created me that way. I think I had my mother there saying, you're like the little engine that could. I think I can. I think I can. I know I can. So <laughs> I had the mom that would give me that like positive self-talk. And I think something just switched on mm. and said, you know what, Nola, you are a victor. You are not a victim. So get the help that you need. So I don't know if there's like a real formula to how I got to that point, but I thank God that I did because I don't know what would have been on the other side had I not. But um, asking. Well, I guess I'm trying to I'm trying to get it so people can know how would a person know that it's becoming more than just mourning. Like, okay. what should be some what should be some uh, what do you call it? Red light. Uh, some signals to them that they need to get some help. Like that is a good question. So we have something that are that that's called Sturge. They're short term. Let me say that again. Short term energy releasing behaviors, and this is what we do to try to numb the pain. But again, it only lasts for a short term, right? So that may be asking myself: Am I drinking to numb my sorrow? Am I eating? because I'm just overwhelmed with this emotion and that's the only thing that's there to comfort me. Am I excessively exercising to run away? Am I trying to escape the, the emotions that I have? So I think when we start questioning why we're doing certain things, am I overly indulgent in sex? Like it could be so many things. It could be retail therapy, right? Like that's a thing. Oh, so, I did want, oh, go ahead, no, go ahead, no, go ahead. Or just being a workaholic. Am I working because I'm trying to escape? So I guess when we look at activities that we're doing, asking ourselves then, why am I doing this activity? And is this activity associated with me running away from the reality that I don't want to face? That's how you, you know. And for me, like I said, I was like, I gained like 75 pounds. And mm -hmm. I was like, look, this fool ain't doing it, boo. <laughs> So I had to do something. <laughs> I'm just... I, I used to say when I was little, when I would, oh, mama, please don't get mad at me. Uh, <laughs> those those pint ice creams that like, what is it, Ben and Jerry? Uh, I used to look at my mom eating those. And I used to be like, man, how does she eat that whole carton? But now that's easy to do. It was very easy. It, it, it's easy to eat that whole carton. So I get it. Like you could fall into so many uh, different habits that aren't healthy for you and it's not going to help you at the end of the day. Um, so can I, you know, I have to share on that point of eating like excessively? Sure. So what I did, I'm going to tell you, this is grief on the other side because okay. this is the recovery side. So I told you what it looked like when it was unhealthy, the excessive 75 pounds. This is what it's, it's still grief, right? But it's what it looks like on the healthy side. So this is the um, month that my mother died. She died on August 25th. And mm. so I went to the store and I knew that I wanted to feel just a little bit. And this is a tool too. This is an effective coping tool that you can use. I wanted to feel a little bit closer to her, just a little bit. So I went and purchased all the nostalgic candies that she loved, the sugar <laughs> that the nerves. I mean, I had like... 10 different boxes of candy and 
I, and the sweetest fish, he loved those. I had everything. I just had an assortment of candy, just candies. It just made me think I was gonna get a cavity looking at them. And I just laid them out. I purchased them. I brought them home. And no, I did not eat every container. I think I had maybe three Swedish fish. I said, oh, what did the uh, sugar daddy taste like? Because I always would criticize her for liking them. Try that over different days. But I had it. And it would just sit out on my counter. And I would come downstairs and I would look at, look at it. And I would think of her and think of how she loved these candies. And she would send me to the store as a girl to pick them up. But that was just me having a level of grief, but just embracing her presence, even in her absence. Does that make you see how that looks different? It does. Um, instead of becoming the, oh, let me just say, instead of becoming the person that oh, I hate those candies, I won't eat them. You know what I mean? I'm not angry. I'm embracing and I've accepted her her life. Her I can hear your mom when you gained the weight saying, "Don't blame me for this weight. I didn't <laughs> tell you to eat that food. Don't." Oh yeah, she didn't play like mom. Yeah, she probably did say that. Like girl, if you don't, what are you doing? If you don't get in the gym. <laughs> You know it. They they right there still talking to us. We can still hear that. <laughs> you know, you brought up her birthday, and I know it's this month. I think this is, and I'm glad you did. Her death month. That, she died on August 25th. Oh, her death her birthday month. Okay, is actually on Christmas, December 25th. Wow. Well, so look, both of those, the birthday and the death month. That's a that's something that bothers a lot of people. That their deceased loved ones' birthday, death month. If they were married to them, their anniversary. Mm -hmm. What's the best way to handle those days, in your opinion? Kind of do what I did with the candy. Bring out those, but because the 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 point of grief recovery is to be able to redefine and find the red lining in the one that we miss, in the one that we love. I don't I don't like to say loved because we still love them even in their yes. absence. So being able to just. Um, memorialize them in a way that brings up positivity and happy thoughts and also in a way that I think would make them proud like for me my mom would just be like you are so silly she used to call me um sweetie she would be like sweetie you know you're not going to eat all those candies so just being able to celebrate them in a way that's reflective of a healthy relationship or healthy components of the relationship that you had together because I think that's that's just easier on your mind, your body, and your emotions. So that's what I would recommend. Absolutely. Um, you so, know, and let me tell you practically too, like, so what we've been doing, my brothers and I just kind of working up to this date, mm -hmm. is we've been texting back and forth all the sayings that my mom would have, such as the early bird gets the worm, or, you know, I'm not fattening up no frog for a steak. You know, I'm from the South, so we say ain't nose and that ain't and this and, you know. So anything that she would say, we had just been texting. And I tell you, as we were doing that back and forth, it's like memories start to be recovered, like things that I didn't even remember, but just because I was in thought of her and remembrance, they would resurface. And it brought me joy, if I'm just completely honest. So there is a way to grieve effectively and still have joy after grief, to have hope after grief, and to have a vision for our lives after grief. Because we as people are, re are designed to be resilient. So even after loss, there's victory. Even after defeat, if there is ever a defeat, there's still victory. We're still victorious. So being able to live those victorious lives, like you said, and make those people proud and honor them, man, that's what it's all about. But I just want to say off of what you just said, um, what did I put down here? Oh, about the memories. Something I just remembered is when my friend first died, 
I was trying to remember every single memory. <laughs> and it's like, it's like my memory just was all over the place. Mm -hmm. I could only remember a couple of memories. And I'm like, Kara, you guys spent almost every other weekend out of the month together playing. And that's all the memories you can remember. So I want to tell people that also can be normal when you're grieving somebody. It just seems like everything is a blur. And right. I'm going to tell you, as you go in that grieving process, memories will start to come back to you. Yes. Even things you didn't know you remember. So you got to yes. give yourself time. Mm -hmm. You know, once you, you know, you grow and you get more healthy, you're going to say, oh, man, I forgot about that when we was tripping out, when we was laughing. Oh, I forgot about that. He was getting on my nerves. And, you know, it's going to come back to you. So it's just like it's a process all the way around. Yes. Yeah, you really made me think about that memory thing because I forgot about that. <laughs> Mm -hmm. um, I just want to also let people know because we've been we've been talking about an actual human the whole time, mm -hmm. but it's not just people that you mourn. You can mourn a thing. You yes. can mourn you 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 can mourn you can mourn a job. You can mourn a location. You can mourn a situation. You know you ever lost a good job and you mad or you grieve that or. You was at a job for a long time. A lot of people during COVID had to leave a job. They may be mourning that. You know, you may have lived somewhere and decided to move somewhere else and you missed the old location. You know, right. you know, you might have been in a good situation there and the new situation you still haven't uh, really acclimated to. So I think grieving and mourning sometimes is not about just people. It's about things and situations as well. Absolutely. And that's called um, a ambiguous loss. So that, like you said, that, that, that home is still there, but maybe you're not living in it. That job is still there, but you're not working on it. That dream that you had, um, it's still there, but it hasn't actualized. So that, those things within themselves can cause a level of grief. Absolutely. What you said is absolutely true. The people that I'm praying for, do you want to know who I'm praying for very intensely right now? Who, Nola? <laughs> well, since you asked, uh, I guess I should So I must say, in all seriousness, it's my it's my brothers and sisters who are on the front line, um, mm. specifically my my nurses, my healthcare professionals, because what you have now is people who went into this career field because they cared about people, they want to help save lives. Now their life is on the line in a completely different way. Um, there yes. was a statistic that was ran with um, Kaiser Health News, and they are calculating close to 600 healthcare workers who have lost their lives on the front line taking care of COVID patients. Mm. 600. So now you've got, a, you know, you've got people entering into this um, career field, and now what that means to enter into this career field is something totally different. Like we know that death is always and, you know, a possibility when we go to any job just because things can happen. But to see the extreme level of death, 600 people, mm. that changes the navigation of what your dream job was or what your dream career was. So now you've got this loss and that loss, because we're talking about ambiguous loss, that would be called a loss of security, right? So now mm. when you go to work, if you're using the same PPE, that's that protective equipment, okay? Yes. You that over, now you're like, oh, man, like, I thought this company was really caring for me, but they don't have enough protective um, equipment for me to utilize. Or if you're having to put on a trash bag, 
to cover yourself while you're caring for other patients, th that's grief. Mm. That is, that's grief. So those are the people that I am extensively praying for because the career that they knew as one thing has become something totally different due to this pandemic. Wow, that's beautiful, you know. I'm serious. Really no, I know. I because know. if it was me, because you know, thank God, I, you know, I do things in administration, I'm an executive nurse, but I don't know if I would, if I had, they said, you, we need you. I don't know. How I responded? I don't know because now you go to work and you come home and then you're worried about maybe infecting the people that live in your home. Yes. That's so you don't because because now there's a change, a sudden change in the way you interface in your profession. That's grief. So that's exactly what you're talking about. How we can have grief that's not associated with a human. It's a, but that's yes. an expectation. We would expect to go to work and be safe, right? That was a great point you just brought and, up. And the loss of safety is what the loss is. Yeah. Wow. I did good chicken having you on that show, Noah. <laughs> you know, we just, well, we, we make a good team. I yeah, agree. we do. We make a good team. Give, give me virtual high fives. <laughs> but careful. Listen, why, why you bring the certified grief recovery specialist on? You ain't got no grief. Like the way you process and grief, like girl, you could be teaching this. Like you could have been hosting this. Well, like, you know, I got a couple on. of talents. I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, what it truly is though is a process. Mm -hmm. And the only reason I'm doing this is because I, I do have a lot of experiences. And like I said, I've done the work. Yeah. I, I've been through therapy. I, I listen to my elders, and I Come keep on. telling people to listen because. That's how you get to this point where you can help other people because you can learn something from everybody. And I never forgot that. Even sometimes I didn't want to listen, I listened. And sometimes you don't need to listen to certain people, but you'll learn how to weed that out. You know what um, my mom used to say? What your mom used to say, girl? Girl, you need to eat the meat and throw away the bone. That's when you're not listening to everything they're saying. Just yes. eat the meat and throw away the bone. And for, for those of you that like to eat the grizzle, leave that grizzle <laughs> alone, okay? Mind leave that grizzle. Leave me and my grizzle alone. You just said leave the bone. I mean, leave yeah, that. That doesn't count. That doesn't count. That's not undistinguished. Uh, Nola, Nola, Nola. Look, what was my point I wanted to make before I was rudely <laughs> interrupted? No, I'm just playing. Um. <laughs> Um, damn, what was my point? Nola, where was I going? I'm not sure. You were talking about how you, no, I am sure. You talk, You were talking about how you would listen to some people even when you wouldn't want to listen. Right. Yeah. You're and talking you, about you, learning from everyone. Yeah, you gotta do that. And then you gotta, you gotta, like I said, I know everybody don't believe in God, <laughs> but I do. And that's been such a mainstay for me because... Uh, you know, you grow in Christ, you grow in God, just like you, you know, you grow as a, uh, a child to an adult. And some things you don't understand in the beginning and you grow into it. That's why there's a difference between like reading a book and then reading a book in spirit. There's a difference between just speaking and speaking in spirit. When I come on this television show, Nola, I, I, I speak in spirit. Mm -hmm. I, I talk to my uh, guardians before I get on here because what I'm doing is truly from the heart. I want to help people. I want to spread love. I want to spread truth. 
And that's why I seem in a good place that I am because I'm at peace. Because I'm at peace mm -hmm. with my creator. I'm at, I, I'm self-efficient. I'm, I'm loving myself in such a way where I'm just happy despite mm -hmm. any pains that I may have. I'm just in a good place. And I heard somebody say, when you give, you you receive double fold. Is that how it goes? Tenfold? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. By giving. And you don't give so that you can receive. But when you give humbly and from the heart, you will receive so many much, so much more rewards. And so much more, you will benefit so much more. And that's the spot in my life that I'm in. I want to be around positive people. Mm -hmm. I try to learn how to control the way I act because us black people, especially we have so many triggers out there that are trying to get us to react in a way where we're going to get put in jail, where they're going to be able to shoot us, where they can say, well, she, she was acting belligerent. So we had to shoot her. So That's I just been working on controlling my emotions, That's getting right. a hold of them, not letting anybody get the best of me, That's being right. in control of that. And that's what you're seeing, Nola. You're seeing a care that's at peace with herself. You're seeing a care that just feels good because I know who my creator is. And I know that the good guy in my movie, in this movie, is going to win. Yeah. And, and that's what a true victorious mindset is all about. And that's what I say with my grief recovery. It's about me teaching people how to grieve their losses, grow past their pain, and recover a life of victory. And that's what you've recovered because you did what? You did the work. And whenever I tell my, whatever I, whenever I meet with my clients, I tell them, I'm not here to work behind you or in front of you. I'm here to work beside you. That's what a coach does. But there is work that you must do. You've got to pick up that ball. You've got to dribble it. You've got to go down the court. You've got to face that loss. You're going to have to face that grief. And I just give them the safe space and also the tools to do that. And I think it's so important that we're doing that um, and doing it daily so that we don't slip into an uncompromising situation where we're angry and then we're reactive. Well, Nola, have we budded this thing up? Because I want you to make sure you hit yes, that last point of of uh, acceptance when you're grieving and mm -hmm. i just want to share something real quick before you yeah. get on it i i've accepted my friend's death i don't think it took me a long time to do it but i i think in the beginning of weeks and a couple of months in it felt real but it didn't feel real and i think that's a lot uh, a lot of people experience that where it doesn't feel quite real now his death feels real but it's not in a sad way i, I mm -hmm. feel that we're both at peace and and it's also just a feeling of i mean i seen some i seen some new births some babies coming to this world and his mm -hmm. family and seeing that it, it it was like i just snapped into this peace when i saw this newborn um and I, I know this is going to happen. Somebody on somebody who's watching right now is going through grief. And I'm telling you, one day you're just going to feel better. Even though I know you said you thought time would help you and it, and it did. You need to uh, go through those tools. tools. We need the tools. We need the but tools. The, 
but the tools and the time will help you. And what I'm telling you is one day after you have used those tools and you have went through that process of, of, right. of uh, that healthy grieving, you'll just wake up or something will happen in your life. You could be watching TV. You could be walking the dog. You could be at the grocery store. You're going to hear something. You're going to see something. You're going to smell something that's going to bring something back to you or bring something new to you. You're going to say, I'm at peace. That's it. I've accepted it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a powerful point because once we move to that point of acceptance, what we, it's that recovery. So everything that yes. we lost, we're, we're getting it back. We get our joy back, right? The little girl that used to dream, we get her back. Or that young man that used to dream, dream we get him back. So it's the recovery of our hopes, our dreams, and our expectations. And then just realizing what our true identity is in Christ is we've called we're winners. He's already said that this is a battle that he already won. And because he had the victory, we also have the victory. So being able to know how we move to that victorious uh, mindset and that victorious position is, is what recovery is about. It's about, re re it's about recovering everything that you lost during that process. And it's possible. That's what I tell everyone. Recovery is possible. Is it a process like Kara said? Absolutely. But recovery is possible. What do you want to recover? Oh, joy. That's possible. Your creativity, that's possible. So whatever it is, it's possible. Your smile, because there's somebody out there that's still frowning. And, and sometimes when you're depressed, I remember I, I was depressed a couple of times, and I would put pictures of myself down. Sometimes you don't even want to look at yourself. But one day, I'm telling y'all, that smile is going to come back. You keep doing the work. Find your support system. If you don't have yes. nobody in your life, you're going to have to pick up your pants, put your big girl, big boy drawers on, and you're going to have to say, I'm going to make it through this no matter what, because your mental, your physical health is on you. That's what I've been telling y'all. It don't matter if you the only person standing in that house. You gotta keep you going because you are responsible for you. No matter if your mama or your dad ain't did right by you, you gotta do right on you. And the reason that I'm shouting is because I want people to understand this is something my mom embedded in me. When you don't got nobody around and they put you in solitary right now. Uh, the coldest place in the jail to be when you when you're caged up, you're barred up, when you ain't got no window to see, no sunlight. You're gonna have to find that light that's in here. You and I'm telling you guys, we've been going through some tough times. I'm doing my closing. We've been going through some tough times, and they may get tougher. Uh, we ain't got no damn change. A lot of people ain't got no job. A lot of people ain't got no rent money. A lot, of, a lot of a lot of things are, are looking place. bleak. Yes. Yeah, okay. So you're gonna have to get to a point where your mental is strong. And I keep telling y'all, we're in a spiritual warfare, never stops. We're in a spiritual warfare, whether y'all want to believe it or not. It's gonna go on without you being a believer or not. But I'm gonna tell you, on the end of it, you're gonna believe it because you ain't gonna have no choice but to believe it. But I don't want y'all to be late on it. That doesn't mean you got to be a perfect person to come to God. That just means you need to have some understanding. Start building that personal relationship with them. The reason I'm going in on you about this is because that helps with grieving when you understand these things. So never give up. Remember there's hope in tomorrow. Build your faith. Work on your mental. Work on your physical. If you got to walk every day, every other day, if you got to listen to some gospel, if you got to listen to some hip-hop, some jazz, do what you got to do. If you got to call a friend, if you got to call your grandma, if you got to get you an animal to help 
boost you up. Do what you gotta do to maintain your healthy outlook on life. Is every day in my life a good day for me? No, no, it's not. I've been in pain almost every day. A lot of people don't even know that. But you know what I keep doing? I keep hoping that tomorrow I'm going to feel better than I did the previous day. And I have to thank God for waking me up every single day to give me another day, to give me another chance to mm -hmm. keep working at it. That's right. That's what I got to do. That is what you got to do. Have resilience. So, yes. Miss Nola Baylor, I thank you so much for being a guest. We got 25 mm -hmm. seconds to go, sweetheart. You are beautiful. Thank you all. You can recover. That's what I want them to know. You can recover. Just like and I want y'all to know I'm going to post a special tribute song for my best friend who died later on Instagram today called Another Day. I'm posting a special yeah. track about my best friend who died. You guys check it out. Subscribe to YouTube. Thank you. See y'all again.